just admit it, the whole time you were listening to or reading the remarks of Ron Hextall and or Brian Burke yesterday, all you were thinking of was whether or not they'll trade Chris Letang. Come on, just say it. Just say it. Good morning to you. Good Wednesday morning. I'm Dan Kovacevic of DK Pittsburgh Sports. This is Daily Shot of Penguins. I do one of these every Monday through Friday, bright and early in the morning. If you're into football and or baseball, I also offer up Daily Shots of Steelers and Pirates. But boy, did the Penguins make the headlines yesterday with the dual hiring of Ron Hextall as general manager, Brian Burke as president of hockey operations, a position that hadn't even existed. And all through everything that both men had to say, I'm going to acknowledge it myself right here, I'm looking for the same clues you are. Are they going to blow up the core, or are they not going to blow up the core? And if they are going to blow up the core, will they start by sending out Chris Letang? And sure enough, there were multiple references by both men to the core. And on every reference, this is kind of important, I think, they would say Crosby, Malkin, and Latang. It was always Crosby, Malkin, and Latang. There were obviously a couple of special mentions of Sid, but it was a three-man core. And you know what? That's actually kind of what it is. When you're talking about the Penguins core, uh, for as much respect as you have for what Jake Gensel has done as a 40-goal guy, uh, anybody who's left from the two cup teams, it's a three-man core. If Marc-Andre Fleury were still here, it'd be a four-man core. But he's not, so it's three. And that is going to define, whether they see it that way or not, how these two men are perceived in the short-term future. And by that, I mean the remainder of this season and then what follows. What both of them made very, very clear is that this season matters a lot toward that. There were several references to, we'll see what these guys have. We'll see what these players have. And that reminds me of a lot of different situations uh, that I've covered in multiple sports where someone will come in and they don't make massive moves right away. They want to see what it is that they've got. They want to lay their own eyes on it. They want to see if they can make their own impact on improving it, which any good executive will believe that they can do. I look at this Penguins core right now pretty much the same way that I look at this whole team. It's blah. There's no... There's nothing going on. There's not one area of this team where you go, well, at least they're doing that well, because they're not. On those rare occasions when they do something well, it's isolated. Like the other night against the Islanders, where I thought most of the forwards played pretty well collectively. But if they came out 
tomorrow night against the Islanders and stunk it up in that same capacity, I wouldn't be surprised any more than you would. The defense is easy to let off the hook because they're missing so many guys, but not the goaltending, not the power play, not the early sights that we saw of the penalty killing, not the fire, not the energy, not the focus. Nothing. Nothing. I am not there to blame this head coach for that. I'm not there yet. I'm sorry. I've seen way too much good from Mike Sullivan. But I am very much in line with the idea that the organization has this general lack of hunger feel to it. I'm not sure why that is. Maybe it is personnel. I'm more inclined to believe that it is personnel than anything else. Because when I look at Brandon Tanev out there, I don't think, boy, now here's somebody who really lacks fire and energy. No. Why? Because he's just born that way. Should there be more of his types on the roster? I don't know. Should there be more youth and freshness and, uh, you know, even more? I think they're a pretty fast team as it is, but it doesn't matter if you're not skating with that passion and that energy and making things happen. Should there be even more of that? These are the kinds of decisions that I think right off the bat, Hextall uh, and or Burke or however they described it yesterday, working in tandem, are going to have to generate now, presuming that as they sounded, they were serious about making the adjustments that are needed to convert the Penguins into a contender now, because they aren't that now. This is what uh, Hextall had to say when asked yesterday about how he feels about keeping the core together or you know, his, his general view of the state of the Penguins? It's a hard question to answer what, what you're going to do in the future here, but what we're looking to do is make the Pittsburgh Penguins the best team we can this year. Um, we'll see where our goals, we'll see how good we are, we'll see how our players respond, and we'll address things as we go along. Um, in terms of the future, you've obviously always got to look at the future, but you have to look at the present. And the, the focus right now is on making the Pittsburgh Penguins the best we can right now until the end of the year. Now, where Burke is concerned, of course, no one had to ask because he made his views on the current state of the Penguins very public and very visible just three months ago in a segment on Canada's Sportsnet in which he basically decried them as just not being there anymore as not being competitive with the Lightning in the Capitals with their cap issues and where their roster is. He was asked about that statement yesterday. Oh, I'm not going to back away from anything I said in my media role. And I'm talking about the way I compare teams is you take a team, you write it down on paper and put it next to the Tampa Bay Lightning or put it next to the Washington Capitals. And that's my job as an analyst on TV is to say, okay, I have to pick which of these teams will finish ahead of the other ones. And all the teams that have had success have cap issues. There's a whole bunch of teams with extreme salary cap issues who haven't won a bloody thing, at least in Pittsburgh. When those, when those guys go to buy, when Jimmy Rutherford goes to buy gas, he's got two rings on. So to me, I'm not going to back away from anything I said, but I also think when you have pieces like we have here, 
You've got to try to win. Pick up on any clues there? Nope. Nope, me neither. Not from Burke. Not from Hextall. And I strongly suspect there's a good reason for that in the short term, just as I strongly suspect that there's a good reason that these two men were the choices at this time. This segment of Daily Shot is brought to you by Warrior Alpaca Socks. What makes their socks different is the alpaca fiber used in their construction. It's stronger, softer, far less irritating to the skin, more breathable, hypoallergenic, warmer than wool. This is the time of year for Warrior Alpaca Socks. When you go to their website, warrioralpacasocks.com, use the code DK to get 15% off your first order. One more time, warrioralpacasocks.com, use the code DK just for our podcast listeners. See, here's the thing. Even though there was never a president of hockey operations until yesterday, there always was one hockey guy ranking over the GM, and he's only the greatest hockey guy who ever lived. And when you're listening to the 17-minute call that Morehouse, Hextall, and Burke had with us reporter types yesterday, and you hear Mario Lemieux's name come up once, twice, three times, you don't have to wonder where this came from. I also don't think you have to wonder, at least not very hard, why Jim Rutherford wasn't given an extension. As I've been reporting from the outset of the Rutherford resignation, Jim was upset that he didn't get an extension. He didn't want to be put into a lame duck position where if things didn't go well, he'd get fired. He's 71 years old. He's achieved an awful lot. He's in the Hall of Fame. The last thing he needed to do or wanted to do was to get fired on his way out of his last job. So he left. Somebody over his head made the decision that he wasn't going to be the guy, at least not unless this thing got straightened out. There is literally only one somebody who could do that, and that's Mario. And then when you hear these guys say, Mario was in favor of this, Mario this, Mario that, Mario was the one who said, hey, why not get Berkey? So they got Berkey, and they created a position for Berkey. That's a dissatisfaction. And that's a dissatisfaction that probably only comes with one exception, meaning the presence of Sidney Crosby. Everything else, everything else about this organization, whether it's the coaches, the players, the development, the whatever, should be open to scrutiny and or change. That's the way I read this. That's the way I receive all of this. So it's not just about trading Latang. Some people have hilariously tried to even to turn the, the Rutherford resignation into something about Latang. No. That's, that's a gross oversimplification. The team, the franchise, lacks that hunger, that fire that you need to win a championship, and they know what that hunger, what that fire looks like, 
feels like because they've experienced it five times. No one knows it better than the guy at the very top. There can't be any doubt here that he's upset with almost everyone. And yes, I feel very comfortable making a special exception for Sid because I'm sure, I'm positive he feels the same way. This isn't done to send a message or a warning sign. You don't, you don't sign people like Hextall and Burke uh, for any sort of short-term impact. That would be a terrible way to run your sporting business. But it's going to have that impact, and it's going to have that impact right away, unless it doesn't. And to those people who don't get the message right now, or at least in the very, very near future, they won't be here. They won't be here. It's not just Latang. It could be Evgeny Malkin. It could be anybody on the roster. It could be any coach. It could be any development person. Everybody's, everybody's on the hot seat right now. When we come back, just one question. back time for just one question if you'd like to leave one you can do that by visiting dk pittsburgh sports find the article that contains this podcast and leave it right there in comments this segment of daily shot is brought to you always by the good people at the greater pittsburgh community food bank they're committed to providing food for all of our neighbors in need in western pennsylvania they're here for you when you need them go to pittsburghfoodbank.org slash get help to find food near you and today's Just One question comes from Sergeant Nummies, who asks, I know Chris Letang plays a high-risk, high-reward style, and his skills make some great things happen. This style often highlights his mistakes and turns him into a punching bag for the couch coaches. Does he do enough good things from a pure defenseman standpoint, or does he try to do too much? Letang is born to do too much. That's the nature of his style. That's part of what makes him as effective as he is. You go back to when he was he was a fourth-round pick. I mean, he shouldn't have had anywhere near the impact he's had in the NHL. To his inestimable credit, he is either the greatest defenseman in franchise history or one of the greatest defensemen in franchise history. That is a spectacular accomplishment. And he's done that because of a through-the-roof level of confidence that he can make any play. I think that's part of the reason that he gets so many of his shots and passes blocked, for that matter, because he thinks he can get it through. He has that belief in that moment that the puck is on his blade that he's going to get it from A to B. When he does... We don't say a thing because we expect it from him. When he doesn't, we go, ah, oh, there's Latang getting blocked again. When he skates the puck out of his zone effortlessly, moving around three or four guys or whatever it is, keeping his head up the whole way, moving like he's on a tripod, and sends somebody into the zone, 
We don't really think that much about it because that's what we expect of him. But when he does that and someone pokes it from behind and takes off on a two-on-none or a breakaway or whatever, we're all mad. It's not a normal situation because he's not a normal player. I believe the coaches who've had him over the years who glow about the overall impact that he has on a game. I also believe the advanced analytics that support that unconditionally, unwaveringly, the stats are on his side, meaning possession stats. When he's on the rink, the Penguins are a better team by a significant degree unless he's having one of those really rotten nights. And he's missed when he's gone. Maybe what you don't miss when he's gone is that fear of the big mistake, of the big error that's going to kill your team, kind of like him following Pierre-Olivier Joseph behind the New York net the other night on Long Island. He had no business going back there. And then when it happens, you go, oh, geez, this guy, if he wasn't there, if only Yannick Weber were there, he wouldn't have done that. Maybe he wouldn't have, but there's a lot of things that Yannick Weber wouldn't have brought to the game along the way. And then you'd go ask Barry Trotz, who would you rather have on the rink for Pittsburgh? <laughs> Chris Letang or Yannick Weber? He wouldn't exactly hesitate on that one. He's a strange player, man. And he still comes with a lot of value. But if he's part of what I was describing in the first segment, if he's part of the lack of hunger, the lack of fire, the lack of freshness, however it is that you'd choose to label it, then he would be part of the problem, and he would need to go. And the same applies to Malkin, and the same applies to all the other players not named Crosby, and the same applies to the head coach and to the assistant coaches and everyone else involved. Singling out Latang, I get it, is the cool thing now. But the problem is much more widespread and much more prevalent than I think most people currently appreciate. Good question. Thanks for that. Thanks to everybody. Uh, for listening today and every day, and we'll do this again tomorrow. At Point Park University, in the heart of downtown Pittsburgh, they understand there's no substitute for real-world experience and career-building connections. Their innovative curriculum engages students with distinctive experiential learning opportunities. Point Park's pioneering co-op program empowers qualified students to work in full-time, paid positions with their corporate partners while earning college credits. Visit pointpark.edu works to learn more. Career ready. That's the point. Point Park University. Your front door. Your car. Your gym locker. Your gun. Safety is a habit. Learn more about how to keep guns safe and secure. Visit projectchildsafe.org.